it might be having a heart attack really or your lungs punctured and we're gonna have to put a camera <laughs> 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 Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, planes, trains and automobiles. I'm Gav. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. <laughs> and just like planes, trains and automobiles, we are packed with laughter. <laughs> oh dear. Look, 20 seconds in and I've already made the penis joke. It's all down here. Yeah, yeah, you're packed, you know, when you're packing. You've oh got my a, God. You've got a, sure that was not the time the penis line. joke. That, that, that isn't, if you're packing, that means you're carrying it. Oh, okay. It also means you're packing a packed lunch, you know what I mean? You've got a, a, no. a full lunchbox. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not the tagline of the film in any case, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're packed with laughter, that's what it says. It's it, Planes, chains and automobiles are, is packed with laughter. Uh, uh, just okay. like us. Anyway, they, we're spending too much time on this bit, right? We're moving on. <laughs> this week's film on trial is the 1987 comedy classic, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Is it a Thanksgiving turkey or is it a cinematic turkey? Uh, mm. Essentially, uh, we're going to find out if this will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, just to say this will be a very spoilerific episode, so if you haven't seen... Planes, trainers, and automobiles. You may be one of only two people, but check it out. It is free on Netflix, um, or you can just trust our judgments. I think. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz. This week is going to be brought to us by the lovely Alex. Uh, just waiting for that. Yep. Okay, we've got a thumbs up, so he has written it. It's all good, mm-hmm. and that will start around the forty-five minute mark, I think. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was The Secret Garden which Joel judged and he deemed should be placed on the shit list. Now, he's since gone away and he's watched the film. So, Joel, did you make the right choice? Uh, well, I'll tell you. Like, I didn't even get to the end because it was shit. Like, it, it, was just te- <laughs> it was just terrible. I didn't enjoy it, like, at all. Um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. Everyone that prosecuted it was was kind of bob on with everything that they said, like... What type yeah, of garden it, was that? It, it How just, far did you get into it, Joel? Uh, just past the opening time credits, time. and I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got to say, it just lacked so much charm, didn't it? When you think about, oh hello, that was sound, sound effect of somebody throwing up. I pressed by accident. I didn't to come inside with my criticism. It's kind of uh, right though. Kind of the right time. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's it just seemed like you think about the '90s one, and it was full of like charm and almost like sort of like that curious magic. Uh, but this was just Wind- like Z. It was full I think of it was Aussie. You said like the guard it's just you know automatically already like amazing and you just need to go in there and it heals you like i just didn't understand what they were actually trying to get across with the remake yeah oh well um but i would recommend watching it Uh, just so i don't recommend watching it 
but oh, because uh, a bit of a comparison. We just all agreed it's shit, but then you said, <laughs> but I'd recommend watching it. <laughs> I would recommend watching it because uh, I think, you know, like you form your don't own opinions, it. guys. Don't listen to us. You don't know. listen to us, don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're, now, we're, we're an authority on, on films at the moment. Look at that list of ours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that list tells you everything yeah. you need to know. Now, onto the trial itself, all of the roles have been picked out of the hearts at random. So acting in defense of trying to get this film placed on their hit list will be Joel and Alex. Now, I've gone for classic John Hughes films here. So Joel is just like Home Alone. On one hand, he's really sweet and caring. But on the other hand, he's incredibly unflinching and sadistic, which <laughs> never heard his would you rather's. It's very true. <laughs> now, Alex wants to, he wants to be the fun-loving and school-ditching Ferris Bueller's day off. But he is actually the Breakfast Club, having to spend a lot of his free time on school-related activities. <laughs> and acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be me and Dave. I'm just like 16 Candles, a long series of embarrassments. <laughs> and Dave is just like Dennis the Menace. An annoying little shit who purposely winds up and frankly bullies his poor and innocent neighbour. <laughs> uh, this is obviously a joke. Just in case this recording ever gets used as evidence in court. <laughs> Dave is a lovely man and his neighbour is a horrible little cretin. Anyway, uh, moving on. Now, like, just like real court advocates, uh, the defence and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their genuine thoughts which means this week Ozzy has got the most important role as he will be playing the judge and Ozzy is quite like pretty in pink he's one part childhood friends one part a rich and well-dressed arsehole and one part a smart <laughs> but very unpopular loser <laughs> I'm sorry, wow. man. Wow, I felt wow. like yours was, just incredibly, <laughs> yours was incredibly harsh. Anyway. Down to the hilt with Austin's one, man. <laughs> now, Austin must decide which list the film should be placed on hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion, uh, which is good because he doesn't have one because he hasn't watched Planes, Trains and Autobills. So before we get started, I think that we should give the listeners and Ozzy a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the Wheel of Impressions. Uh, so here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week it has landed on Alex. So how would we like Alex to read out the synopsis? John Candy, maybe? John Candy. Ooh, what? I mean, <laughs> I, 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 John Candy. <laughs> how good are we at bleeping stuff? I, I, I could go for an expletive-laden uh, version of the plot. Like, oh, can uh, I try oh, that? Yeah, yeah, Steve yeah, Martin speaking yeah, yeah. to the uh, car rental agency. A fucking man must fucking struggle to fucking travel home for fucking Thanksgiving with a fucking lovable fucking oath of a fucking shower curtain ring salesman as his only fucking companion. <laughs> That's oh. actually very good. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. You got that bleep ready. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Ozzy. You got to bleep that through. That's true, Gabby. I did it now, so. I'm sorry, Alex, but you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> now, without further hesitation, Ozzy, can you please kick off proceedings? I mean, I assume then there's I assume there's a lot of swearing in this film. <laughs> oh, there's a lot <laughs> of swearing. There's my first notes taken out. Okay, well, somebody want to give me a um. 
you know, a little bit of an extra um, summary, defence, please. Just give me a little plot, plot, um, plot guide. You know, a bit more of a detailed summary of the uh, the thing. I'll be up for that. Thanks. Sure. Um, so uh, it's quite a simple story. You've basically got um, Neil, who played by Steve Martin, who wants to get home for Thanksgiving. Uh, he's flying quite a long way. Um, and basically all of it goes wrong. You just can't make his planes, can't make his trains, can't make his automobiles. All goes wrong and it takes <laughs> takes a very long time for him to get home. Uh, I, right from the get-go, he meets Dell, who's played by John Candy, who's just light years apart, totally the complete polar opposites. And they sort of team up, go through a lot of different things and try and try and make their way home through this sort of hellish journey together, basically. And, you know, along the way, sort of realize that they've got more in common than they thought. Absolutely. Very, very, quite, quite a lovely, simple story. Uh, sets itself up perfectly for the, the most, you know, planes, trains and automobiles is just so close to my heart. It's like one of my favorite comedy films. I think it's got to be possibly the best comedy film of the 80s, I would say. It's just, just absolutely hilarious. Um, I'd, I'd say what's great about the plot, I'm sure we'll go into more about characters and, and, and the comedy later and the script and the music and everything, and especially the performances. But I think when you're just talking about the plot, is it's totally relatable and accessible. I mean, I, I constantly have to spend a lot of my Christmas holiday time traveling on trains and traveling a lot, a lot on public transport. I know you guys drive, but I spend a lot of my time. And it is hellish, especially in busy peak periods. And what's great about this film is it takes that, you know, those, those times when you just everything's going wrong during your, during your trip. And it just perfectly sums that up in, in this comedy. And it takes those normal everyday human experiences and it just brings, brings it to life in just such a funny way. I mean, I, I, I genuinely sometimes, I've had some awful journeys over the past few years, especially at Christmas time. And it genuinely does book me up a bit when I'm just on the train and it's been delayed for like the fifth time and I'm not going anywhere to think about planes, trains and automobiles. And it, and it really does. Um, it, it just books me up. It's an absolute holiday classic as well. The basic story is about him trying to get home to his family. Um, Del, uh, Neil's trying to get home to his family. Dell seems to be a bit of a drifter, doesn't seem to have one. He's got this wife. Um, who who he's uh, keeps mentioning, but you never really see much about much about her. And in the end of the film, you know, it sort of turns out that actually Dell doesn't have but, uh, his wife died a long time ago. Um, and in the end, uh, he sort of is brought into Neil's family. So it's got that really nice. It's a perfect Christmas film. Um, well, I think it's the Thanksgiving film, but for us, you know, we'd we'd you know it, it fits perfectly into our christmas basically perfect holiday yeah perfect holiday film and um and it has just a lovely love totally relatable and accessible story I, i watched this film when i was like five years old and loved it and i've watched it at 30 years old and loved it just as much it's it's completely accessible everyone can can enjoy it just a five-star film i would say unlike many of the films we put on here trains planes and automobiles is no perfect it's very hard to see where it's gone wrong, especially on plot. Okay, so it's a quality plot, incredibly relatable. It's accessible, loved by all from five to thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> um, no perfect, uh, Dave. 
It's not not perfect, and it's also not for five-year-olds, as we uh, understood from that expletive. <laughs> later, but this is not for five. This is not a family film by any stretch of the imagination. The, the there's a lot of bad language in it. It's it's not that bad. Otherwise, it's not like there's much in the way of violence or sex and nudity or drug use or anything like that. It's just language. It's it is expletive-ridden. There is a lot of swearing going on. I mean, that scene is played for laughs. You know, it's not like it's just thrown in casually. It's it's a deliberate effort, but um, it's it's not all that Alex is making out to be there are flaws with this film it's like it's like the Odyssey but but not half as funny it's, <laughs> it's, it's this journey which just gets inexplicably drawn out <laughs> this I don't journey remember Odysseus gets... laughing at me <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember the bit with the Cyclops oh he has a good giggle with him I tell you but <laughs> this journey is just inexplicably and irrationally just drawn out he's basically he's flying back from New York to Chicago and he gets dumped in Wichita, of all places, due to a snowstorm in Chicago. Now, this is already getting a bit far-fetched. There are other airports in between Kansas and, and Illinois. It's it's doesn't really make sense in that long. And the film kind of just bumbles along, but predictably so. It's like it's when they get to the hotel room, it's like, oh, they're going to have to bunk in together. They're going to have to get a hotel together. They're going to have to... Uh, all the, when he gets to the airport and he tries to rent a car, the car's not going not to be in the bay. You see him as he's walking along, happy as Larry, big smile on his face. Like, his car's not going to be there. It's all very predictable. You can see where the laughs are going to be coming from and when they're going to come. And it's also predictable in terms of the... It falls into the bear trap of sentimentality. I think the film could have done all right. Don't get me wrong, it has its moments, but towards the end in particular and also the bit where he really starts hurting John Candy's feelings the sad music kicks in and John Candy gives these like emotional speeches about how you know I'm just trying to get on my life I'm I'm a good guy people like me I don't care if you don't um and it just goes a little too deep down the sentimental route for my liking. This is meant to be a comedy film. It's meant to be lighthearted. It's meant to be jovial. You can have a bit of heart to your comedy films, but this goes a little too deep. It goes a little too far. And the ending itself is altogether quite schmaltzy and very sentimental. Very very John Hughes in a way. You know, He was a renowned 80s director, but you know, he, did, he did go for sentimentality more often than not. But it wasn't such a big deal in his other films, which I tend to be more family-friendly. Like I say, due to the language element, this one is not one of those. So, like I say, bumbles along, very predictable, cliche-ridden. It's not all it's cracked up to be. There you go. Well, Alex, come back at that. That's not no perfect. It's cliche-ridden. It's not even as funny as as uh, as, as the Argonauts. As <laughs> <laughs> the Argonauts. Uh, I'd say it's sometimes it's hard to know if it's because this film is such a classic, especially of this sort of of the road movie. It's hard to know if it's cliche or if it's actually started the cliches. I, I'd say a lot of films have emulated this since. So I would say Planes, Trains, and Automobiles got there first. Um, it isn't expletive written. There's one bit where there's a bit of bad language. I watched this film when I was young. Obviously, we taped it off for telly and it just didn't have that bit in all of the, you know, I, I, I want a fucking car. I want all of that. It, it wasn't in there. It's very much a family film. I've, I've watched it forever. I think kids could really enjoy this. All you'd need to do is just watch the version that's, you know, pre-Watershed. The Dave's talking about the ill-fated and far-fetched journey. I mean, it's about people trying to get home for Thanksgiving, you know, and it's not meant to be like a gritty documentary about that happening. It's meant to be far-fetched and a bit funny and zany. You know what I mean? It's a John Hughes film. And I, I would say about that, my, my, my argument against that would be, 
if you've ever been on one of those journeys, it does feel, sometimes they feel ill-fated. You know, when you just like, it doesn't seem like anything is going your way and everything just seems to be delayed and you need to stay overnight and you have to do this and you have to do this. And you do start feeling like there is some sort of like superstitious element to this. You know, I've had, I've been in like Houston train station, like literally crossing my fingers, just being like, please, please. And it really conveys that, you know? So yes, it is far-fetched and it is ill-fated, but there is almost like a, an element you think of maybe these two people being thrown together. I'm sure we'll talk about that more with characters later. But yeah, there there is a sentimentality to the film, and I think that explains maybe that why why things are so bad. Maybe these two people have been sort of thrown together by fate. Hey, okay, well, um, I think I've got a feel for it. It's essentially, you know, I, I can see it from both sides of the story here that if you've ever been on this type of journey, that's Occasionally, you know, you need to poke fun at the calamity. Otherwise, you know, it's that whole thing that if you don't laugh, you'll cry. And quite often, after that sort of journey, maybe you can um, you can look back and laugh at it. And maybe because this is over the top, you can go for it. And I suppose that if it is a comedy and it is just, you know, based around two people, I assume it's lots of comedy set pieces as they try and get each of these things. Going to have to rely massively upon the script. Um, you know, and the the way those two play off on each other. Have we, um, maybe Gav, you could tell me a little bit about that? Um, yeah, I just, to counter what Alex said before about the plot or the script being, um, was it this that you said was no perfect? I, I'd have to disagree. I, I, I was sort of like the opposite to Alex in that I watched this when I was very it felt like well. it was incredibly dissonant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, um, I, I, I watched this when I was young and I really enjoyed it. And um, watching it back as an adult, I was like, yeah, it's, it's not as funny as I remember it. It just seems to be more irritating. You know, like, the, the, essentially, you know, it's, as Alex said, the two sort of mismatched companions. Uh, Steve Martin plays the stressed out and fussy marketing executive, Neil, and John Cantor plays the annoying and talkative shower ring seller, Dell. And, and I like John Hughes as a writer, but here I can't help feeling that he's essentially borrowed the majority of the, this film from two Neil Simon creations. So The Outer Towners, a film in which a couple traverse across country but experience many calamitous and comical setbacks. And then The Odd Couple, a play in which two massively opposed characters try to live together. And it's still, like, even with those sort of blends of those two things coming together, it still feels incredibly short on plot. Both the characters are trying to get back to Chicago for Thanksgiving, but they experience a number of transportation problems. And, and that's essentially it. You know, the rest of the story is different ways in which one character can irritate the other and how that character responds to it or how many different modes of transport can be a bit shit. You know, I, I read that there was not only a, a two-hour supercut of this version somewhere, but also a three-hour and 40-minute version somewhere as well which I, I, i'm just thinking you know what can possibly be on that you know, uh, no, that that wasn't a cut of the film that we were actually going to show that was just bicycles. like footage no no so so they, they added two, the, the, so the the original cut was yeah <laughs> <laughs> two hour ferry <laughs> in real yeah. time <laughs> I, 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 I've been with on air roller, roller blades. <laughs> there's the horseback bit as well um there's no, so, quote, yeah <laughs> so, so the original cut of the film was three hours 40, right? Obviously, they had to trim that down, so they got a two-hour version, which they, they, which they showed to test audiences, and then they also included in all the advertising. And then the, um, 
right in the last minute, the production company was like, that's too long, cut it down again. So they cut half an hour or two. If you actually go and watch adverts for it, the trailers for it, includes footage that isn't actually in the film. Um, but well, like a Marvel film. Yeah, just like a Marvel, but it wasn't done on on purpose. So yeah, <laughs> um, even the way for the <laughs> for the MCU. But apparently, like John, John Hughes is apparently uh, had about like six, seven, eight, maybe more hours worth of unedited footage that wasn't put together that he could have made, like you know, essentially a Lord of the Rings esque version. Um, but it was never put together. But that, I was and, what the hell that bit me on that one? Fucking hell. <laughs> And in some ways, this sounds like a very similar film to Lord of the Rings, you know, to people <laughs> trying to trying to get to a different destination. Yeah. <laughs> Although they didn't have the big eagles. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the plane. So planes are the eagles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, well, <laughs> eagles essentially, essentially it ends. When it ends and they walk through the door, there's a TV in the background which is saying um, that O'Hare... Uh, airport has all cleared up and all flights had returned so you're on to something there mate if they just would have stayed at the airport and not done any of that transport they would have arrived on time so it's, it is they were I, uh, eagles they're my, they're my uh, favourite and, and worst type of decisions to make you know when you're in stuck yes. in traffic jam and you decide yeah, I'm yeah. going to turn off at this junction yeah, yeah. And then I try and make a note of the car that's in front of yeah. me, or like a truck or whatever, <laughs> so I can gauge whether it was a good, it was a good decision to make or not. Yeah. Not even that, just changing just lines. Sat, yeah, or I should have just sat there and just waited. And quite often I should have just sat there and waited. Yeah. Anywho, Joel, um, give me something good about the, the comedy then and the script. Um, it sounds pretty damning from Gav, to be honest with you. It's... Um, uh, well, you know, if if there was a three-hour cut, I'd be quite happy to watch it. Let's just say that, you know, because I, I think it's it's basically just the two characters, and they, they work so perfectly off each other. Um, you know, John Candy has got like such a you know revered reputation for for a reason. You know, he he's just kind of like that. This is like the perfect role for him. Really, he's kind of like he almost kind of toes the line between you know being like a bit of an idiot, but also um, you know, kind of credible at the same time. Like he's not an idiot. He just kind of does this stupid stuff and he's got like his own kind of little special way about him, if you like. Uh, whereas Steve Martin, like he is, as Gav said, he's like a, a stressed out business, businessman and he doesn't really kind of realize how much, you know, of a, of a, you know, jerk for lack of a better word that he's being. Um, and the script makes it, like so perfect that you never really, you know, against Dell, you never really think, you know, oh, he deserves all the shit that Steve Martin's given him. And you never really feel like, oh, Steve Martin's this massive dickhead. You just kind of, you know, wedge between them almost in that, as I say, you, you know, you never really are on the side of one or against the other one. And they played off each other like absolutely perfectly, you know, that there's a hell of a lot of, you know, comedic moments. Um, there's a hell of a lot of, you know, laughs. There's, as Gav said, sometimes it pulls on your heartstrings as well. Like, um, you know, I think Gav said it. The ending is a bit over sentimental, but I would completely disagree there. You know, it's a it's a film about getting home for the holidays, and you know, this guy has, has lost his wife, and when are people like that going to be most vulnerable? And it's yeah. going to be, you know, around the holiday time, and he, he gets. Uh, you know, invited into his house, he meets he meets his wife, and you know he's not going to be by himself for the holidays. So I think it kind of comes full circle in that he realizes, 
you know everything that's that's gone before it you know doesn't really matter and it's it's a story really about you know although it is getting home for the holidays there's there is kind of some messages in there as well you know about maybe not judging people on you know first glance and that type of thing and um you know looking after people who, who may not have you know or be as fortunate as you are and you know, I just think it's a, it's a really, really nice film. And I think the big takeaway is that it is a holiday film. Uh, you know, Dave mentioned that some of it isn't like believable that, you know, they, they can't rent cars, they can't get in hotels again. You know, I'd just say it's a holiday film. All that stuff is going to be fucking chocker, you know, absolutely full. Um, so I think that the plot, there may be a few holes in it, but I don't think there's, there's that many. And I think a lot of it can just be explained the way by the fact that it is. You know, Thanksgiving in in America, it's such a, you know, I speak to a few Americans and they just say it's a food holiday. It's about spending time with, with you know, the people that you want to be with type of thing, just eating food and having a good laugh. Whereas Christmas may be about gifts and things like that as well. So I think, you know, this film is is the perfect kind of uh, summary of, of that type of film. Okay, so essentially what you're saying is that, Gav, there's no way you could have had a heart attack because you're clearly heartless. So, um, and if you didn't catch the sentiment of this, this I'm glad this you read between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I feel like that was, that was a double insult towards me then. What about my medical mishaps and also me about just being a generally unlikable person? I, I, I always like it when Ozzy uses your argument to just personally attack someone. But <laughs> <laughs> implicate you in it as well, somehow. Um, I mean, so, so I mean, Joel, Joel, he may have mixed up who said which bits, but he, he did essentially, you know, shoot, shoot to pieces the um, the prosecution on this is the the sentimentality uh, is sort of universal. It sounds like it runs throughout, and and you know, I, I don't know if I really got that from either a Dave or a Gav argument. So I'll let you go back to that. Is it does it come out with a blue at the end? The sentiment like a. Like at the end of uh, Who Be Halloween when suddenly there was, you know, <laughs> ten, 10 minutes of, of that, you know, be nice to each other, which was just come out the blue a little bit, I think, you know, all the way through, you're kind of thinking, Dell is talking about his wife, kind of almost like, you know, he's going to get home to her type of thing. He wants to get home to be with her. And then there's this kind of moment in the film where Steve Martin's character kind of plays back everything Mattel said to him and he realises that actually he's speaking about her in like the past tense type of thing and that she's not really there. And the first time I saw that, it, it wasn't obvious. You know, it's not like, you know, it's coming type of thing. But at the same time, it's not like a twist. You're not going to be like, fuck! It's just one of those things that, uh, you know, throws like a bit of a spanner in the works. Do you know what it do- Do you know what I'd say that does? Sorry, I see to interrupt. Um, no, 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 okay. It, it gives you, it lets you rewatch the film. Because there's that bit of a twist at the end where you realise that John Candy's wife has actually been dead all the way through the film. When you actually watch the film again, his performance is, is really beautifully nuanced because he sort of mentions it and he looks really sad. And like you see that Steve Martin doesn't really like click on to what's going on. And it, it's very nice that. And you can rewatch it again. And I mean, I've rewatched this film yeah, yeah. like hundreds of times. So like, yeah, I, I, I'd say that, that, adds, that that's a nice element of rewatchability, if that's the word. Okay, um, so it actually takes you a little bit by surprise. Some of these things you don't you don't realise. You know, it's got it's got deeper levels. Um, Gav, yeah, no, the look on your face says it all. That it that that's not what you thought whatsoever. No, I didn't think that at all. I I, I don't think um, the the comedy is particularly brutal, memorable, and I think the sentimentality 
comes out of the blue at the ends and it's also it's almost like having your cake and eating it it's it's like they try and be a really sort of slapstick lowbrow comedy for a certain bit of it and then right at the end it's like oh no actually look at this really sweet and charming moment you know uh, the comedy got alex gone where you <laughs> it's just nonsense um, like that that just doesn't it, it doesn't come out of the blue at the end that's peppered in the pathos is pl- uh, peppered all the way through and it's got some of the most beautiful lines like it's got some of the funniest lines like it's got some of the best slapstick comedy i've i've seen and then so there, there so then um, or worse than uh dumb and dumber the first. <laughs> uh slapstick wise it's not quite as crude or something like that it's not on the same lines it's a bit more believable it keeps it more in the realms of possibility but it's got this bit where so they're they're at the so to, to 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 do a perfect example they're at this hotel they've got a sleep together and um you know they've got to sleep in the same bed and they realise that the it's like a water bed anyway Dell's like just this like massive slob and he just sort of lies all over the bed and Neil finds it really really hard to sleep together anyway um just this really funny bit where Dell's in bed and he's kind of clearing his throat and he's going like <laughs> oh sorry you know and and just if you've ever if you've ever had to um like live with someone or you know um who's sort of sorry can people stop typing on the bottom bit it's really distracting because <laughs> 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 like, i'm trying to talk and all i see is just people going like <laughs> oh, you're seeing, quite, quite often the, the quite often the chat bit is to so i can tell somebody who's going to be next right, because yeah, so yeah. many people put their because so many people put their hands up and i can't just point at someone because sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if yeah. i point at the screen right. everyone thinks i'm pointing at them guys yeah, yeah. you're peeling back the curtain here there's supposed to be an air <laughs> right so okay. go on, carry on sorry, sorry about that one. i was listening. Uh, so yeah so you've got this bit where they're in the they're in the hotel room um and Neil's just getting more and more just like wound up and het up by um, Dell's just being a slob, basically. And he just finally just explodes and he jumps up and he just has this big... And Joel really hit the nail on the head before when he said, you're never against Neil and you're never against Dell. And he's sort of on both their sides. Neil gets up and you can see why. And he's just that does this perfect Steve Martin, like he's just steam's risen too much. And he just has this massive go. And it's like a go that everyone would always have, like, say... If you've ever had to sit next to someone who's just been boring you on the plane, he just there's these these lines that always come back to me now. It goes like, you know, here's an idea. When you're telling a story, have a point. It makes it so much more enjoyable for the listener, you know. And all these lines that honestly replay in my head sometimes. You know, when you're sat on the train just listening to someone chat and you're just like, oh my God, you know, have a point. And he's just, he keeps going at him and he's just sort of like doing all this thing and he goes too far. And you stop being on Neil's side and you start seeing it's a bit much. And it goes to John Candy. And John Candy's got this real face of just hurt, you know? And he just does this beautiful, honestly, really touching bit where he goes like, yeah, I'm an easy target, aren't I? You know, but but I like who I am. And you can see it's quite hard for him to say because he doesn't really. But it's quite, it's a very touching moment in between them. And, you know, it's it's really like, wow, that that is that is quite a deep, you know, like Gavin Dave was saying, that is quite deep um, feelings to be going in for a comedy. The next thing you see is morning comes and it like the camera pans over and you've got Dell sort of lying, John Candy lying on his side. And then you've got like Steve Martin and, the, and basically John Candy's spooning Steve Martin and they're both asleep. And they wake up and John Candy like kisses them on his ear and, and like, you know, Steve Martin goes like, huh. And like, anyway, he wakes up and like, you just see he opens his eyes and he looks around and he goes like, you know, uh, Del, why are you why are you holding me with that hand? And he goes, oh, oh sorry. And he goes, where's your other hand? And Del goes, oh, it's between two pillows. 
And Steve Martin goes, those aren't two pillows. And they like jump out of bed and like, you know, like it's just, I, I can't tell it like John Hughes directed it. Do you know what I mean? But that's a perfect example, right? Of John Hughes knowing that he's gone very deep on the feelings, right? He's gone really into these two characters. And so he needs to have a bit of comedy to pull you out of it and, and get you going back on it. And that, and that's why this film, when I, I stand by it, is no perfect. It knows... He knows exactly, right, we've gone down a bit with emotions. We need to bring up and get we'll get you back to the balance. And that's what it does amazingly. So funny. Well, there you go. So funny. So funny. JJ, <laughs> 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 I didn't mean to sound so sarcastic. Too late. Too late. I felt like maybe I just highlighted the story that you just told by going that tiny bit too that far little <laughs> <laughs> um, genuinely the comedy does it, is it, does it touch a point or is it not like um, I know you guys had your hand up to come back at something before but I think um, maybe I can, the moment's passed no, uh, I, can, I can probably answer the comedy question and also tie it into what Alex was talking about because uh, <laughs> because uh, that's what I've got written down so <laughs> but like don't get me wrong like, I, I, I'll agree with some of what Alex was saying there are some genuinely funny moments in this and I, but I think that a lot of those come from the actors being left to improvise and be themselves a little bit or from multiple takes but these moments are a bit few and far between for my liking that moment that Alex said is probably the funniest moment in the entire film mm-hmm. uh, but like either side of that you've just got a lot of as Dave mentioned earlier obvious and stereotypical comedy like a lot of the humour and jokes for me are at Dell's expense you know look he's really fat look watch him try and struggle get into a plane seat or try and fit into a bed and look how many towels he has to use to wash himself look he's very annoying he breathes very heavily isn't that annoying he washes his undies in the sink can you imagine that look he's also a slob look how much he eats and smokes isn't that gross and, you know, it's that sort of stuff uh, but then at the end sorry can we can we start talking about the film again? I mean, you <laughs> pick on Alex all the time. <laughs> right, so, but like, so the, the, that, that's the, that's the humour. But then we get the really sappy and sentimental ending in which Neil realises, as Alex said before, that Dell's wife has died and that perhaps he's been a bit too mean to Dell. So he invites him to Thanksgiving dinner. So we essentially feel a little bit shitty as an audience for laughing at this poor guy for the past hour and a half. I just think the, the sappy ending just doesn't go as well as Alex thinks that it does. Um, on a separate point so I, I, I don't know I mean I, I think it sounds at the moment relatively well balanced in terms of uh, the comedy to sentiment I guess one of the key things is that and it's been touched upon throughout is this cast characters it's two people yeah is the gist of it is it's just uh, it's just Deal and what's his name Neil and Del yeah yeah um, it's just them throughout no, there's there's no one else really to remark yeah. on. It's it's the two of them. I, and the I mean, and, and Joel Joel said this before, and Alex. Um, <laughs> the two of um, do, do they do they feel believable as people? You know, I think it's been touched upon that they, that they do, but in a far fetched world, in in a caricature sort of way, perhaps. Yeah, it, I do think I, I disagree that you you uh, you can't dislike Steve Martin's character. He is quite dislikable. He flies off the handle uh, all too easily with Dell, with the car rental lady, with the guy outside who's, who's controlling the traffic and whatever. It, 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 it he goes off the deep end 
far too often. He's not that likable. You really don't particularly care for him, which I think is why they did this kind of ending where he invites Dale to Thanksgiving with him at the end, just so you yeah. you feel like you've followed a hero. But it's it's a character you can't really get behind, which is when you've only got two in the film, is a bit of a problem. But it's easier to handle when there's five of them, isn't it? If you've got five people in the in the, yeah, you can have one of them in the show, but no, one of them would be an angry little two. It's fifty, and it's like, I agree with Joel. You're not picking sides at any point because you do get oh yeah John Candy must be annoying but it is it doesn't take long for Steve Martin's rage to like go from naught to a hundred and it'd be like oh, okay no it's gone too far instantly you know the uh, the scene Alex referred to um, in the motel where he flies off the handle with him that's only half an hour into the film you know although it is a, a well shot film and you know John Candy's retort to it is is impactful I think that sort of part of the film could have done better like later on that happens in the first half hour that he has this big blow up at him and he just like vents everything that he's experienced on the first night they've got a long journey ahead of them still and still they kind of carry on and put that behind them I think that kind of could Cathartic blowout and John Candy take bringing him back down to earth would have done better later in the film. It would have made more sense later in the film, and the rest of the film would have made more sense because it's like okay, they would have just gone their separate ways the morning after that, surely. Uh, and now you, if without that, it's kind of okay. They're just getting on each other's nerves and just staying together. I think it just didn't make sense for them to come back from that. I think that could have done better later in the script. Is it? It, I mean, it sounds like there's, there's a lot of talking in this. You know, we talked about the script, we've talked about the the general plot and the comedy. Is it a lot of talking? You know, is there much else that goes on? Or is it uh, anyone? It's just a genuine question. Is it full it's on? Sort, just... It's sort of because it's like a road movie. So you're constantly going from place to place. So yeah, there's talking, but I wouldn't, you know, you're, you're always moving. It's always sort of in transit because it's, yeah. you know, it's a journey. It's a journey story. And the, and the shots of that, I mean, in my head, I've just got almost like straight on two people sitting next to each other. You know, just like, obviously that's not what it's going to be like. I mean, but. You've got the beautiful shots of America. You know, you've got the, the different, you know, the, uh, as they're traveling along um yeah no it's very well shot and the yeah. music as well is very it's the mute like the it's musically very very beautiful i'm gonna jump in right there the soundtrack is horrendous <laughs> the soundtrack way. is absolutely god awful it it goes from what sounds like most of it sounds like elevator music and just very schmaltzy, very like 80 synth. It's dated and it's not dated well and probably the most upbeat track that's on there is this kind of herbie hancock it's like Herbie Hancock, but shit. And it's this kind of <laughs> remix where they've actually interspersed some of Steve Martin's lines from the film into this remix, complete with like discs being wrecked and stuff like that. You know, it's 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 dated horribly. The soundtrack is genuinely, I think, one of the worst points about this film. The soundtrack is terrible, genuinely Joel, terrible. Did you? What are your thoughts on the soundtrack? Noticeable, um, noticeable or? I mean, to be completely honest, I, I didn't notice either way. You know, I couldn't say it added to the film or, or took away from the film. When I yeah. think of, you know, planes, trains and automobiles, the soundtrack isn't what comes to mind. So, What was the, yeah, what was the main say, song in it? I can't remember. Smack my bitch up. I... <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's like, it, it's just, it's like the incidental music in between. I think I love the little cuts. Very 80s, very John Hughes. Normally, to be honest, I find that 80s stuff very grating. But yeah. I, uh, it really works in this. Like a, I don't know. I kind of got a, a feeling of like a eighties lift music, almost like Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's not lift music at all. That's not fair. It's a, uh, you know, it's just it's good. John Hughes. John Hughes does, you know, do good soundtracks, and it's a, it's a, it's a very decent John Hughes soundtrack. 
Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I think I've got a lot to go off here. Um, actually, two pretty solid arguments. I can see the look in your eyes because people are sat so close to the cameras today that I can feel hmm. real, real uh, feelings. Um, anyone got anything they just want to add very, very quickly to throw into it that they may have missed before or... All I'll say is before Gav goes off on one for 20 minutes. (laughs) 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 You you know, like every year Christmas, for example, I'll probably watch the Home Alone 1 and 2. And, you know, ever since I saw Planes, Trains and Automobiles, you know, that's kind of on my like holiday list. Now I might not watch it, you know, so close to Christmas as it's not really super Christmassy, but I think it is one of them films that you can watch every year and, you know, still enjoy like the, the 10th or 20th time. Yeah, Alex? Uh, if you like John Candy, right, then you'll love Planes, Trains and Automobiles. I notice the prosecution have been very quiet about John Candy, I would say. John uh, Candy I, and Steve I, I Martin. Wanna... John Candy and Steve Martin. I'll let you, I'm sure, you've, I'm sure you're going to disagree with me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that um, John Candy is, is possibly one of his career best performances. It's got to be up there. Steve Martin, again, one of his career best performances. And John Hughes, one of his best. It's it's the three main. You've got John Hughes directing, incredible director. Steve Martin, great comedic actor. John Candy, great comedic actor. And I'd say they're at the top of their game. And with that, you just can't miss. It's a hit. Do you disagree, Dave? Do you yes. disagree with Dave? With, with Alex John or me? With, or with or yourself, me. Alex. With your good self. Right, okay. uh, Steve Martin's career yeah. best. Let's face it. Steve Martin did a lot of stuff. He went off the rails not long after playing trains and automobiles. He did a lot of crap. John Candy, career was tragically cut short. And I think that's why we've not laid in the John Candy, the sentimentality of the passing of a genuine... Well, like, because, because he's dead. You have to have a go. <laughs> because he's dead. Okay, John Hughes yeah. is dead as well, and that's not stopping you dead. <laughs> you, don't speak, you don't speak badly of a dead. That would be... That, that's uh, and John Hughes is regarded as a, a maker of teen films. 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller, that sort of thing. He's, this isn't a teen film. This isn't regard. This is not what he's remembered for, this kind of film. Okay, and then Gav, the the Neil of the group, Steve Martin of, of, of Films on Trial. I, I, I can relate to Steve Martin because he, he blows up very easily, very early on. Like uh, what Dave was saying before, I completely agree. Um, oh, what, what, and he's kind of lanky and skinny as well. And he is, uh, yeah, he is kind of lanky and skinny as well. Yeah. And he invites uh, us round once a year just to give us all <laughs> a good party so that we think he's a nice guy. <laughs> like, okay, right, like, you, you're being a bit too on the nose here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting you back from your description of me at the start. <laughs> don't think yeah, I've right. forgotten that. <laughs> I, you all don't like me. Like I'm very horrible to you all the time. And, and uh, one day I'm going to get my comeuppance. Uh, who knows? It might be very soon. But uh, like, I will say that, um, that my, my main criticism of Steve Martin's character is in that um, ty- tirade that Alex and Dave mentioned about before. Um, one, his main criticism of Dell is that he tells boring stories, but I don't know whether it was just me, um, but I don't think that that had really been shown that much. I'd say, you know, if his main criticism was that he was irritating or is he, he talks too much, fine, but I just don't think the comment made that much sense, so it made Neil seem a bit more like a yeah, petty but he, arsehole. No, but he is a petty arsehole, that's, that's what he's meant to look like. And he also says, I was reading the vomit bag, shouldn't that be a clue to you that maybe the person's not engaged <laughs> in your story? That's just a, that's just a setup for a joke. Yeah, but I just think that like it it goes back to something Dave said earlier, or I think Joel mentioned it, but from the opposite way around, is that like you don't know who to root for in the characters. You know, I think Neil is supposed to be the one that the audience 
uh, can relate to. But you know, he's, he's quite unlikable. He was quite like sort of short tempered very early on. So then you're left with Dell, but he's he's supposed to be affable and and you know. But he's also a little bit unlikable. He's quite selfish, or at least inconsiderate or obnoxious. And he's also incredibly annoying, like to an unbelievable extent. And then when he gets called out about his actions, he has this puppy dog look, as if to say, you know, like, oh, you know, why why are you saying mean things about me? We are going to end this episode with a nice quiz. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think I think I've got enough. I've made I've made a lot of notes here, so um. Yeah, if I don't answer many questions, it's not because I don't know the answers, which we all know is part of the reason I don't answer many questions. It's because I'm totting on my notes. So, yeah, let's quiz, please. Okay, this quiz is planes, trains, and automobiles. It's three questions about planes and films, three questions about trains and films, and three questions about automobiles and films. Okay, first question. Uh, in Top Gun, what is the name of the Soviet jet that they fight against? Just no idea. Vladimir. <laughs> No, it's the it's the famous Soviet jet that they always fought against. No, a MiG, a MiG, a MiG, MiG, MiG. I thought it was like a fancy name that you were thinking, like a a nickname. No, that's that's what I thought as well. I thought it was going to be like Dave or something. Oh, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) like yeah, like Vladimir. Right, next one. Uh, Can you finish this movie quote for me, please? I've had it with, (laughs) I've had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. I thought that was. I thought that was. No, no, no. There's an extra bit. (laughs) And now it's time to boogie. (laughs) No, not quite. Everybody strap in. I'm about to open some fucking windows. What are the first names of the three members of the flight crew in Airplane? Oh. Roger. Yeah. um, Oh. Shelley? No, no. Don't oh, call me oh, oh, Over, don't call me over c- Captain No, no, no. Uh, no, sorry, no. Oh, um, first names: Roger. Oh, I, can't, I can't. I can't remember. Roger, Victor, and Clarence. Oh. Watch your Victor, Victor. You have yeah. clearance, Clarence. Uh, in Under Siege Two, one of the best action films. I say that it takes place on a train, possibly. Um, who plays Steven Seagal's niece in that film? Oh, oh famous man. actress. Um, I can't remember. I, 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 I remember I that Morris Chestnut was the guy in it. I, I, to be honest, I just looked up this and I was surprised she was in it. It's Catherine Heigl. Very oh, weird. Yes, yes. Very weird when you watch it again. She the uh, woman from... Um, not not uh, I was, well, I was Grey's thinking... Uh, I was thinking Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know I went for the obvious answer and then I have to take a step uh, back and give the Aussie answer. <laughs> uh, uh, next one. In Train to Busan, where is the train from? Oh. Uh, come on guys was it originally from Busan but it's on a return like <laughs> <laughs> it's to Busan um, Tokyo Seoul yeah Seoul uh, yeah sorry oh nice the best fight sequence in movie history took place on a train what was that fight sequence Gold <laughs> <laughs> uh, no Mission Impossible no wrong sorry um, is it um, I don't know oh is is it a James Bond film now? It is a James Bond film. Is it a Sean Connery? It James is a Bond Sean Bond Connery Bond film. 
then it's, uh, it's wrong. It is from Russia with Love. I'll give it to Odyssey because he did a lot of the like, work there. <laughs> <laughs> that did, is the best. That is the best fight sequence in movie history. And well, the train. Alex, I don't want to upset yeah. you, but when you said um, yes. uh, when you said it was a James Bond film and it took place on a train, the first thing I thought about was Spectre. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ! Isn't isn't there a train sequence in like all of them? Probably. Yeah, but the best, the best because there's one in there's definitely one in Skyfall. Uh, listen, listen, mate. He's trying to cut costs, right? You can't be jet setting around the world. <laughs> <laughs> the environment, or <laughs> he's part of a government agency, and the, their expenses are under scrutiny. So they've got <laughs> everywhere. Okay, this uh, that segues me nicely into the next uh, question. What is the best car in any movie? <laughs> that one in Gone in 60 Seconds, the Ford Mustang. Whatever Unfortunately, it's not. No, I, I know you love Gone 60 Seconds, but heavy, fully loaded. <laughs> Uh, no, again, no, it's the Aston Martin DB5 in Goldfinger. It's another Bond film. <laughs> it's another Bond film. Sorry, guys. Uh, can you name any of the gadgets that were on that car? Uh, yeah, um, uh, ejector seat. Uh, yep. Fair was sat in the passenger. Did they have rockets in the front of it as well? Mm, no. Or at the back? No. Nope. Oh, the smoke? Yes, smoke. An oil slick? Yes. And uh, did they lay out some like little pins or something? No. Like, to pop no. Tires? I was thinking pin, pins, <laughs> but... Yeah. Bins, not, not the bins. beanos. <laughs> 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 Those bin bags are. I'm not going to cheat, but I've just googled it. Somebody else say. I just. Oh, hey, oh, uh, he has two cup holders. It's got GPS. It's got a fucking oh, GPS. The, the, GPS. The, little, the little sore <laughs> things. Yeah, the little things that come out of the sore. Uh, and my favourite one, revolving number plates, which I don't know if he actually used in it, to be honest. But it's just, didn't require so much, can, just required so an angle, really. To, so he can go speeding, uh, but he can yeah, see yeah. where he's going, because he's got GPS and a revolving. He can see when the speed cameras are coming, and then he can just hide his uh, number plates when he's driving around. Exactly. Uh, and armrest controls was, was the last one. You, you're actually very close with the cup holders. <laughs> Um, and last two questions who plays Lightning McQueen in the animated film Cars Owen Wilson I literally Owen Wilson and last one how much in dollars did the Tumblr Batmobile in Batman Begins cost Uh, in real life or in the film in real life 200,000 oof no 20 mil a lot lower (laughs) 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 we've got somewhere in between those two ranges 500,000 uh, a million. I'll give it to us. Wow. A million. Fuck. And that wow. is my quiz done. Well, then. Well, thank you for the quiz. That was quite uh, lighthearted, as opposed to the end of the, uh, <laughs> of, the of the main show. Um, you know what? It was this. This is a tough one because it felt like there was a lot of um, like genuine opinions being thrown around. Maybe I've been duped. I don't know. I know about the film. I know of it. So clearly it gets talked about a lot. You know, there's not many films that last this, you know, from sort of the 80s through to the present day that still gets referenced. I don't think I'm going to like it, mainly because I'm not entirely, it sounds like it's very American humour. However, I think it deserves to go on the hit list because it sounds like there was so much to be talked about. It's got the... Donnie Darko vibe to it. There's there's layers, you know, to be discussed. You know, I think it sounds as though there's a... I got the impression that there's actually the the, the sentiment 
runs throughout, but it's not always plainly obvious to see. And I, I don't think that was refuted fully. I think it becomes more and more obvious as you get along to the end. And maybe that's a nice thing that it's some sort of consistency through the film. I hope I find it funny. Um, but yeah, I'm going to put it on the hit list. I genuinely thought you were going to say I would have liked to have seen other modes of transport in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you were talking about a boat earlier, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have been a hit. I would have liked to see more boats. Um, okay, right. Uh, genuine uh, opinions. Alex. Um, yeah, no, classic. Like, absolute classic. It should be on the hit list. Just one of the better comedy films of the 80s. And yeah, I'd say got to be maybe top 10 films i just love it it's really of, of really all cool. time yeah genuinely i think if you're looking for a comedy i don't think you can do much better than planes trains automobiles i just think it's got the perfect mix of everything it's just a good nice lovely watch that just makes me laugh every single time i mean i've, I've watched it so many different times and it's still still find it just as funny i didn't actually ask about this but what are the planes trains and automobiles like in the film are they nice <laughs> are they, <good>? <laughs> oh, they are great <laughs> Especially the footage, like? the footage of the planes. Uh, <laughs> and the oh, yeah. you'll love this film. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 knew, I knew that um, they apparently spoke to lots of different train and plane companies and uh, none of them would and, uh, you know, give, give them the rights uh, to use their company logos and stuff because they didn't want to be seen in a, in a bad light. But I think that was probably a bad call because, you know, it's probably it going to always be remembered. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so uh, similar to what Alex said, Roger Ebert said that this was one of his greatest ever films. We know who's yeah, a big fan of Roger Ebert. It's Captain Dave. Dave, do you share yeah. Roger Ebert's sentiments? <laughs> I do. I lied through my teeth on this one. Alex and Joel yeah. are absolutely right by everything they said. It, it's a fantastic film. It really is one of the most iconic Not films of the 80s, today, and eh? for good reason. Only thing I didn't lie is I really do think the soundtrack is terrible. Truly terrible. But other than that, uh, everything <laughs> yeah. else I said what, what, was a lie. And I, I, mean, I should have mentioned that, really. Is actually, that was part of what swayed me. I felt like the only time you had any real venom <laughs> in what you would say. <laughs> yeah, it was when, <laughs> when you yeah. talked. Suddenly, you, you were animated when you were talking about the, the soundtrack. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is the one yeah, thing I genuinely think. This It's the, the only thing. Yeah, it's the only yeah. floor in the film. Apparently, they, they commissioned Elton John to record a song specifically for it. He'd written and commit, uh, you know, and was about to record it. Like, and he was on his way to the recording studio, but the two production companies had a fallen out about rights and how much money was going to be earned from it. So they scrapped it at the last minute, and that song has never been recorded or heard since. Can you imagine what we're missing now on? <laughs> Like, okay. Just me, just me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine, fair enough. I, uh, Didn't Alan John do um, Take Me to the Pilot? Yes, essentially, he basically took his song and he Rocket split it over three different songs. <laughs> <Yeah>. Rocket Man. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of a, another film that he might have had one. And, yeah, and oh. at the end, uh, Steve Barnes' character says, I'm still standing, so it's all good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree with Dave. I'm the exact same. I was lying throughout. I don't think it was as funny as I remembered it. I remembered like side splittingly, like pant wettingly hilarious. It is still very funny though, and I think it will always be very funny no matter how many times you watch it. So yeah, I, I apologize to the ghost of John Hughes John and John Candy. <laughs> and Steve Martin's career. <laughs> <laughs> He's only got himself to blame on that one. <laughs> so, yeah. in the jet. 
Betty and the Jets, exactly. Yeah, Betty and the Jets. We got it. We got it. And finally, Joel, what do you think about it, mate? Yeah, I like it. Like, I was pretty truthful to what I said. I do kind of watch this every year, if not every other year. Um, it's not one of them films that me and Ozzy like to talk about sometimes where you can watch it like every 12 or 13 years. This is more, <laughs> this is more regular watching. <laughs> well, okay. I can't wait. I genuinely can't wait. Um, okay. So, right. Well, thank you uh, very much, guys. Um, so, Hyrule... <laughs> should we even do this? Hyrule lower than our previous film on trial, which was Secret Garden, which scored 66% oh, yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. That's higher than I thought it would. Forget. It may say forty-five percent audience score, though. So you know, it's about. Yeah, I think the audience is the one you need to go off, isn't it? Really, like the critics, a lot of them talk shit. Let's be <laughs> that Roger Ebert man is top films. <laughs> there's that. There's Crossroads with Britney Spears. You know, <laughs> House. Basically, I mean, Crossroads is on our hit list, hit and list Wolf of Wall Street is on our shit yeah. list. So. I I think we really crossed the Rubicon when we put Crossroads. Really good. That's a. I think that's a genuinely good film. Me too. Me too. Me too. Right. Okay. So uh, anyway, uh, I won't even put this up for a guess because it's obvious. Plane Straight to Normobiles is probably one of the highest rated films on on Tomatoes. Ninety one percent. Really. Critical and eighty seven percent audience. So um, yeah, very very highly regarded. (laughs) So yeah, sorry guys. Sorry to take the fun out of it, but that's it. Game over. Um, Right now, talking about taking the fun out of things. Next week is going to be the start of our Christmas season, and (laughs) what a way to kick things off. And this isn't a film that I picked myself. This was suggested by somebody else. I'm not going to name any names, but it wasn't me. But next week we are doing Christmas Chronicles (laughs) two. Right, and uh, yeah, that uh, I am going to name names. It's Joel, um, but uh, I think he did it so he could maybe blame me. But anyway, I, I don't care because I was going to watch it anyway. So screw you. And in defence of that film, we have pulled the names out of the hat at random. It's going to be myself and Ozzy, and in prosecution, it's going to be Dave and Joel, and that means Alex, you're going to be the judge. Uh, so yeah, that that is that is it. Essentially, no caption contest this week. Apologies once again. So just want to say thank you to everybody who's listened. If you like the episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And why not leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts? And just to say that this is the beginning of our Christmas season. And just to put something into your calendars, on Monday the twenty first of December at around seven thirty p.m. That is uh, that's the old UK time. Apologies. We're going to be doing a Facebook Live episode. We're going to be putting Elf on trial. That's right. Will Ferrell's best Christmas comedy. It's Elf. Uh, and I was Hold on a second. Wait, aren't you the judge? Get that. I need you to get back on the, I need you to get back on the bench right this no, minute. No, to be honest, I said that because I didn't think he'd made another Christmas comedy, but then I remembered he made Daddy's Home too. So, um, <laughs> so I technically wasn't lying. Um, but anyway, yeah, we'll be completely partial. But yeah, we're going to be putting Elf on trial on Monday the 21st of December so put it in your calendars come along it'll be streamed live on Facebook live so please tune in it will be a good laugh there'll be an interactive quiz for the audience and a few other little bits of shenanigans here and there so please come along um, yeah, and in the meantime just spread the warm love that's films on trial in as many years as possible check out our Twitter page at Film Trials and Instagram Facebook and YouTube Films on Trial so that is it Planes, Trains and Automobiles is thankfully on the hit list and we will be in your ears next week with Christmas Chronicles 2 goodbye everybody 
we're worried about your pancreas, so we're going to send this badger up your ass. And when the badger comes back out, he's either going to give us the thumbs up or... A... <laughs>